Welcome back to a double shot of branding. I'm your host, Michelle. I'm here with my co-host Caden. And today we're going to be talking about client red flags. So this is a episode that is specific to designers out there that are listening, or if you are a potential client, you want to make sure that you're not becoming a red flag for a designer that you want to work with, then this episode is for you. So let's dive right into some red flags that you need to be aware of before a project even starts. And then we're also going to dive into some red flags that um, might come up when you are already in a project with a client and how you can deal with those specific situations. So Kaden, why don't you kick us off with the first uh, red flag that you need to be aware of before the project starts? So I think the very first obvious one is price. Um, when they try to negotiate your price at a lower rate or they, um, it's one thing I think for people to ask, you know, for a lower, not necessarily a lower rate, but maybe removing some of the, a more customized, you know, that they don't need this or that part of your package or whatever, um, because it doesn't fit in their budget. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when you respond back and say, you know, like, no, this, these are my rates or no, here's what we could do. And they still continue to try to like negotiate with you. Um, that's when you know that they're going to be probably a difficult client. They may question your invoices, delay paying. Um, like I said, there's nothing wrong with trying to get, you know, a good deal, or asking and the intention isn't always malicious. I know I have asked, you know, when I've hired people, I've asked for an adjusted rate if we remove certain products or services, but it's when they come back and they try to argue with you is the biggest thing. Yeah. I think the biggest red flag there is too, is when they say that your price too high for them, or they don't understand like why your price, the way that you are basically saying that they don't value what your pricing is. And they think that you should be lower overall. And they'll most likely question you throughout the project too, because if they don't trust your value, then they're not going to trust your expertise. Yeah, for sure. Or if they're like, well, I mean, your price too high for me. I can just have my virtual assistant do this instead or something like like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And okay. Bye. (laughs) Um, So another red flag would be when they say that they've worked with another designer, but that designer didn't produce the results that they wanted. So this is mainly a red flag because, um, It means that the client didn't really do a good job at vetting who they wanted to work with. So maybe they chose the cheapest designer that they could find and they didn't really choose based on aesthetics or um, like having a conversation with the designer to make sure that they vibed well and make sure that the designer could produce what they wanted done. Um, And it also just means that they're potentially going to be a really picky client. Um, I've personally have worked with a couple of people who have said this to me and I'm like, sure, like I'll, I'll help you. And it was, um, it was not the best experience for me. I, after working with them, I then understood like why, (laughs) why they moved (laughs) or why it didn't work out with the last designer. Yeah. And again, it's, if they mentioned that they worked with one designer in the past and it just wasn't a really good fit, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a terrible client. It's when they say, when they add on the other things like 
they just couldn't get my vision. They just, um, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. Like when they kind of start complaining, you can then, then that's red flag because you recognize how they might treat you during your project. But if they're just like, oh, well, I, you know, I did work with one designer, but we just weren't the right fit. Um, they might be a perfectly mentally stable client. <laughs> yeah, I guess I should have said, you definitely should ask why it wasn't a good fit for them previously, because I have had a client before come to me and say the same thing. It wasn't a good fit. And I kind of like did a little mini investigation myself of, well, what did you tell them that you wanted and what did they produce? And I have worked with somebody who the designer produced like not even anywhere near what the client wanted. And so then I agreed that like, yeah, that was not a good fit for you. I definitely can help you produce this. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, that's totally like situation to situation. It's going to be different. Yeah, I feel like all of our examples are, it's not just like that one thing it's in combination with like a few other things that they say. And I feel like most people always have a vibe too. Like you, you can kind of feel in your gut, like those red flags. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's a matter of like, separating, you know? Yeah. Because I've pretty much heard most of the things that we're going to go over. And, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the client's going to be terrible. Um, you just need to to get more information pretty much, but, um, okay. So the next one, um, when they say they know what they want, they just need somebody to design it for them. So again, this, could be a red flag and it also could not be a red flag. So it could mean that your client is just knows what they want. (laughs) (laughs) They just know what they want and that's great. Like they've done their own research, maybe, I don't know, or (laughs) they're going to be super picky and they're not going to value your expertise and your opinion. And they're only going to want you to design what they have pictured in their mind, which is wrong for, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's wrong for many reasons. It puts a lot of pressure on us to create something that we don't even want to maybe create, or we don't agree with for that client. Or, um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times when somebody comes to us and they're like, this is what I want. They're showing us a logo design or a website design of one of their direct competitors. And it just feels really like, icky to copy somebody else's exact design so usually they want to copy like somebody else in their industry yeah but I don't know I think I think if you are going to be spending the amount of money at least you know to work with more mid-level designers and you definitely should trust their opinions and trust their designs and trust that they know what they're doing obviously we like to talk with our clients and make sure that we're designing something that they're going to like as well. But, um, a lot of times, like, I mean, we're not, our clients are not designers themselves. So it does, I feel like it frustrates me sometimes when the client acts like they know more than we do. I don't know. That was probably rude to say, but (laughs) definitely. Or the opposite can happen where they say they have no idea what they want, which in my experience, the clients who have said this have actually been way more easy to work with than the clients who are like, I know exactly what I want. Um, 
because the people who have no idea what they want, they're usually more open to your suggestions. Um, but then on the flip side, you could also get somebody who just literally has no idea what they want. They can't decide, they're indecisive and it leads to a ton of revisions. And, and then even when you get to a design that you think is like the final, they'll always come back and like wanna change something. Like when you're later moved um, on later into the project, and so um, that would be a red flag is when they, if they're just like, oh, I don't know what I want. Like that's one thing, but if they go on and on and on about how indecisive they are and they can just never decide, then that could be a red flag to let you know that it's gonna be really hard to please them because they're not gonna know what they like until they see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've definitely had clients like that before too. And it took rounds and rounds of revision. So I don't like to work with people who come to me and say, they literally have no idea what they want. They don't have an idea of anything like style, um, colors, like nothing that usually leads to a really long, long project. Um, but I mean, I think if you're if you're a potential client listening to this, I would say probably be somewhere in the middle of you have a, you have a kind of an idea of what you want, but you're also able to let the designer take a little bit of creative control from you as well. Yeah. Cause we do a lot of like when, before you start a project, we have client homework that you fill out where we ask you specific questions about your business and about your competitors, about your industry. And then we do our own industry research so um, it's not just like we're coming in and just willy-nilly designing something for you. There's a lot of strategy behind it. There's specific reasons why we chose, um, like I had a client one time that wanted to do um, an animal with their logo, and they, but they didn't really know which kind of animal they wanted to do. And they were suggesting, you know, all of these other animals, but then there was clearly one animal that fit with their logo and made the most sense. So um there's a lot of strategy involved in it. So just keep that in mind because we're, we don't just create something, you know, from nothing. We're creating it because of your business, your goals, your industry, your competitors, all of that put together. Yeah. Agreed. Another red flag is when they say that they, when a client comes to you, a potential client comes to you and says that they need a project done ASAP like in the next couple of weeks, because it's typically poor planning on their part and just not being respectful of the time that it takes us as designers to be creative and complete a project. I mean, we're all business owners here. I would never go to another business owner, like a copywriter or whoever I want to work with and expect for them to put me on their calendar ASAP. I can maybe express to them that I'm in a little bit of a hurry, but I'm going to respect the timelines that they give me and not try to rush projects on their end. Um, because I mean, who knows what kind of schedule they're working with and how many different clients they're working with. And then specifically when it comes to hiring a designer, the creative process looks different for every designer that you're maybe going to work with. And, um, some people like cannot physically, or I cannot mentally design a logo for you, um, in a short period of time. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, people. 
I offer day design intensives, logo in a day, but Caden is probably the opposite. And I don't know, how long does it take you to do your branding packages? Uh, well, the, well, they're set at like five to six weeks. Um, and usually if I have a good, I don't know, it just kind of depends on my creativity too. So, I mean, that's another thing with design is like, it's, you're constantly in a state of creating. So um, it can be hard when you're not um, feeling inspired to create something. Or also Michelle and I's case, we both are what we call pixel pushers. So we kind of like churn over the same design, but just like with these little tiny differences that probably nobody else would notice. Um, but, and I also don't like to be like rushed. I don't like to be pressured to try to come up with something because I mean, I could, if like you were, you know, holding me over a ledge, but it might not be the best. It's probably not going to be the best work that I could create if I had a little bit more time. And another thing with people who want to do their projects ASAP is what's funny and ironic about it is they say that they need it done ASAP, but then it'll take them like a month to sign the contract and pay the deposit. But then they still expect like that same timeline in their head of them needing it in like those two weeks you know, like if they said, oh, I need it in six weeks, but then it takes them like a month to actually do everything. And then they still expect the same um, timeline. And they want you to do all of that work in like two weeks. And it's like, no, that's, you know, the project doesn't start until the contract is signed and the deposits paid and an official timeline has been handed out. But it's, I always find that really funny is everybody who wants something done ASAP is always the slowest to you know, sign and pay. I've also had a client on the opposite end of that. She wanted it ASAP, but then she also was texting me like throughout the week and asking me where that it's were. And it was just so annoying. <laughs> like, like send me an email, dude, don't text me. <laughs> I mean, I give all my clients my phone number because sometimes with like website projects, there are random things that happen that are kind of emergencies. Um, but yeah, don't abuse your phone privileges, please. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've definitely had some clients who are like, I need an ASAP. And then I design a logo for them in like, you know, three or four days or whatever from when the initial conversation like, don't respond for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, I'm so busy right now. I can't give you feedback. I'm like, dude, you made me rush my side of yeah. the project. And now yeah. you're taking your sweet ass time to and they'll come back. Edits. Like they'll not respond for two weeks and then they'll come back and then they'll expect, you know, like, yeah, the edits, they'll the come back day. with edits and then be like, can you get these to me ASAP? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, another um, big client red flag is when they ask for you to do the initial design or like a test project for free um, to see if they like like your work or they might say I have I'm considering a few designers um, before hiring you and the biggest thing with this is your portfolio should really be all that you need um, enough proof of your capabilities. So don't ever feel pressured into doing this, but there are some instances where this type of request might be okay. So if it's like a really big company or project that you would love to work on that would, and I hate to use the word exposure because exposure doesn't pay the bills, but like if Nordstrom or some huge company that I just like love came to me and wanted me to do something for them and asked to do like a design sample, I totally would. Um, because the, 
the possibilities there are just would be, you know, could help pivot your career or move it forward in um, a really big way. So you just have to kind of assess the value that you see in whoever's asking you to do this. If it's like a random client um, with just, you know, kind of like a small business, I mean, their exposure is not going to, definitely not going to pay your bills. So, so don't feel pressured to do a test project, but if it's somebody really big that you would love or a project that you would just love to work on, um, it's okay to consider that. I would also say something that might be like a little bit more realistic. I'm not saying that Nordstrom's not going to reach out to you, Kaden, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, (laughs) I have heard of stories in our industry of influencers reaching out to designers and asking them for logos in return for exposure on their Instagram page. So like, they get a logo done by a designer and then the influencer posts about it on their Instagram page and tags them in it and praises the work that the logo designer did. So free work in exchange for, um, the exposure to, you know, like a hundred thousand followers or however many followers that the influencer would have. I would, I probably would definitely say no to that. Um, I mean, it depends on where you're at in your business. Maybe if you're entry level, I probably would have considered it, but now I would definitely say no to doing any type of free work like that. But I have heard of that happening before. Yeah. Like crowdsourcing a logo design or something. Yeah. So also, I mean, this kind of just like bugs me a little bit because if you have that many followers, like 500,000 followers or something, and you're asking somebody to do something for free for you, like, okay. Anyways. Um, Another red flag would be asking you to work outside of your normal processes or dictating how you work, um, like asking you to work certain hours during the day or using like, I don't know, some their own sort of like timeline software or something like that, um, or going to meet them in person maybe when you don't normally meet clients in person, um, just like anything that doesn't feel good to you to do that they're, they're trying to control the process and the whole project themselves. This personally hasn't really happened to me. I don't know. Has this happened to you? No, but I've seen, I've heard a lot of stories. Like there was one where somebody, the company wanted the client to download, um, some tracking software that they use with their employees where it would like take screenshots of the computer. Like you would clock in for the hours and then it would take a screenshot of your computer screen randomly. Um, And as freelancers and as people who own their own business, I mean, we all know that we kind of bounce back between like, you know, multiple projects at once. So that was like a really big turnoff for that designer. She was like, I mean, they could get a screenshot of somebody else's you know, passwords or something like that. And then also you have to remember that you're not an employee. You, there are very, very different standards for employees and there are for independent contractors. So um, always make sure that you know your, your rights as an independent contractor. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then this last- not happened to me personally, no. Yeah. I feel like most entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business owners with small teams are pretty respectful of each other's um, processes and how we do things. 
So um, this last one that we have written down is probably my favorite. Um, the last red flag that we have here for before a project is asking for your design ideas before they book with you. Like I've gotten DMs before people saying, um, this is my current logo. What do you think of my current logo? Or this is, change? yeah, yeah. what would you change? Do you like my color palette? Or I'm thinking of doing something like this for my new logo. What are your thoughts? And kind of drilling you and trying to get your design ideas um, before even agreeing to work together. And before you know anything personal about their business, like if somebody comes to me and they're a bookkeeper, for instance, they want my opinion on their current logo or any logo design ideas they have. I mean, I don't know a single thing about your business. I don't know who you're trying to target, what type of business owners you're working with. Um, therefore, I don't know how I can give you any sort of opinion. So this has happened to me when I first started out and I ended up like offending the potential client because <laughs> they were asking so many specific questions and, you know, I was new and didn't really know any better. And so I was giving them, you know, some honest feedback about like, oh yeah, I would go this direction with, you know, like a photo shoot for the photos on your website. And then they would be like, well, why don't you like these photos? These are the photos that the, these luxury brands, you know, put together, like, why aren't they good enough for our website? And so you can end up offending the client because you don't know anything about their business. So just, just don't even go there. <laughs> just say, well, I, you know, that would be part of the, the research and strategy process. And I would really need to have more information on your business to, to make a accurate assessment. Yes. I've also been asked about website platforms too. And because I design on show it and I feel like not, I don't know. I feel like a, not a lot of people are on show it. Like I feel like a lot more people are on Squarespace and or WordPress. So if they come to me and they have a Squarespace site and they're like, what are your thoughts on me switching to show it? And it's so hard for me to answer that question without knowing almost a little bit. Well, yeah, that too, because, um, and I have told people straight up before, like, I don't think that your type of business that you have would work good on show it. Like I obviously would want to work with you so I can make money, but I don't know. That's as a, as a potential client to asking a designer that like, just know that you might get somebody who is more biased to that platform and they're going to try to convince you that it's good to move to that platform. So try and do your own research before asking a designer this question. Also, as a designer, there are so many different things that I need to know about your business and what you want out of a website before telling you what platform to go on. Like, are you going to be selling products? Are you going to be selling physical products, digital products? Do you need like a calendar invite link. I mean, there's like the list can go on and on about different types of things that you might be needing in a website, which would change what website platform would work best for you. So um, yeah, I try to like, I try to, when I do get website clients, um, try not to like dive into a ton of that until we are agreeing to work together. Um, but, you know, also preface, preface with the client that we might end up needing to switch platforms with you if we do work together, but I won't 
totally know that until we do more of the discovery and questionnaire phase. Yeah. So those are probably the biggest um, client red flags that you can try to work through before you book somebody. And then also if you just have like a bad vibe about somebody, like just the way that they were talking to you when you're on the phone and the things that they were saying, I mean, you, your instinct and your gut is always point on. So if you have a bad feeling, I mean, every time I've ever had a bad feeling about a potential client project, it has literally turned out just as bad as I thought or worse. (laughs) So always trust your gut, but there's a lot of things that happen after you book the client where the client may seem like the perfect, most ideal client in the world. And then you start the project and they're a total nightmare. So we put together a few things that you might run into during the project. And we're going to kind of explain how you can set some boundaries and whip them into shape. So the first one would be when they ask for your cell phone number or they start texting and calling you often and they want a response ASAP. I had a client one time who, when I wouldn't respond um, within five minutes to an email, I would get a phone call. And then if I didn't answer the phone call, I would get a text message right after that. And then if I didn't respond to the text message within another five minutes, I would get like a second and a third text message basically you know, questioning where I'm at or like if I've read the message yet or if I've, if I'm going to need to, if I'm going to do this thing ASAP. And so before you start the project um, and you're like welcome guide or in your initial phone call, make sure you discuss how you communicate because a lot of people have specific ways. Some people don't ever want to talk on the phone or through text message. Um, some people only want to do email. They only want to use their uh, project management platform to communicate. So you need to make sure that your client is aware of that and set those boundaries then. And then as soon as they start crossing them, like whether they're deeming you on social media and asking for stuff or whatever, you just have to immediately respond. Like don't respond once and like let it slide a few times because then they'll just keep doing it. That first time that they do it, you know, say what you need to say, please message me on here or um, whatever it may be. Like put those boundaries the very first time so that it doesn't continue to happen. Yeah, and I mean, if you did give your cell phone number out to a client and they started abusing that privilege, you could just say something like, uh, you know, I, I was happy giving you my phone number and I give all my clients my phone number for emergency situations only. But moving forward, if this is not an emergency, can you please um, can you please email me instead of texting or calling me, and let me know the priority of this email? Maybe I don't know. Could have them yeah. give like a rating or something. Or if they like email you outside of your business hours, don't respond to them right then. Even though I know it's so hard when you see an email come through that you, no matter what time it is, you just want to like respond to it. But if they were, if they send you an email outside of business hours, make sure that you don't respond until the next day during your business hours. Um, yeah. They'll get in the, they'll get aware, you know, they'll be in the habit. And if they keep doing it, then you just have to reiterate, you know, your office hours or your availability or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I know some, other entrepreneurs that set up away messages on the weekends too. 
that say something like, I'll get back to you in the next business day or whatever. So there's some yeah. ways around that. If this is something that's been happening, happening to you repetitively, repeatedly, whatever the right word is there. But um, just want to say that whatever client that was is crazy. I've never dealt with somebody who's been like texting and calling me nonstop. I have had somebody who was texting me for changes ASAP, but I would be like, okay, yo, chill. And then she would, she would back away a little bit, but that was a, that was a fun project to work on. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So another thing that we could talk about is when they ask you to do additional work that's outside of the scope of the project. Um, Okay. So this is hard too, because I feel like sometimes these additional items come in like pretty sneakily. So if somebody like, let's say you're working on a website design for somebody and they are like, um, I want my Instagram linked to this website and you give them instructions on how to link the Instagram. I typically have my clients do this because I don't want to know their login information. So I will give them instructions of like, Hey, this is how you connect the Instagram widget to the website. If you want to just copy and paste the embed code into email, I can do it for you. But if they come back and they're like, um, this seems kind of complicated. Can you just do it for me? Like, here's my Instagram login. I mean, that's fine. But I mean, just think about how that's another like five to 10 minutes probably out of your work day. And it just gets you like distracted from whatever you're working on. I've definitely found myself doing like little random things like this for clients or um, like, can you just create a graphic really quick for me for whatever it may be and thinking to yourself, oh, that's only going to take me five minutes. Like, I'll just do that. That's fine. But then you have hours, <laughs> but then you have all these little things adding up over time. And then if you are, are a time tracker, you realize that like, oh, I did all these like random little side projects for the client that added up to like four hours of my time that I'm not getting paid extra for. So it's, I mean, I feel like this is kind of hard to avoid, but if you can do whatever you can to outline the expectations at the beginning of the project. And then when you do get um, requests for extra little things like that, then respond to the client by telling them that you're going to be billing them hourly for this and you'll track your time or however you want to deal with receiving money for that request. I'm feeling I'm not giving a good enough example though. Do you have a better example? I think the biggest misconception is when they are asking for something and it I don't know. I can't, there's a million things that it could possibly be. Um, but the, I think the biggest misconception is that when the client is asking you to do something that they aren't expecting to pay for it. Cause I've, I've worked with, you know, other designers or developers or whatever. And like, I'll ask something that, you know, maybe I thought of afterwards and I'm 100% expecting to pay for it, you know, expecting it to be extra or more billable time or whatever. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily surprise me when they were, if they responded back and said, oh yeah, it's going to be this much more. So I think we just have to, you have to get in the habit of whenever they do these little requests like that, there's a fine line, like Michelle said, between, you know, just like 
you know, providing good customer service and maybe something really will only take you five minutes and, you know, just do it as a little, you know, added bonus. But just whenever they send those requests, just immediately respond to them and say, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Um, you know, that wasn't included in the project. This is how much it's going to be. Would you like me to go ahead and, you know, start working on that or whatever, and just get into the habit of immediately responding that way, instead of feeling resentment as it builds up um, the more requests and stuff that they ask. Because a lot of times, like I said, the misconception is, is they're not, they're not even expecting you to do it for free or they don't realize that what they're asking for, you know, maybe isn't included in what they're paying for. Yeah. So if you have the habit of responding, you know, oh yeah, happy to do that, but here's how much it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Or like maybe the website's already done and they come back and they say like, um, I was thinking I wanted to add in an extra page to link to my affiliate codes or something like that. Like make sure yeah. that you're charging them for any extra designs that you're working on. Also at the end of a website project, when it concludes, um, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I will have people come back to me with like tech issues with their website saying like, um, this button's broken or my contact form isn't embedded, isn't showing up anymore. Meaning like the embed code is probably broken somewhere. And they're like, can you fix this for me? And, um, most of the time they want it done like really quickly and don't want to be charged because they think it's just like an issue that I cause when in fact, that's not true at all. Like after I hand over the website to you, it's good to go. (laughs) Anything else that happens after this is probably your fault. (laughs) Or on the other hand, if they, when you hand off the website and everything's done and they maybe don't necessarily go through and go through it with a fine tooth comb, like they should have. And then maybe they do realize there's some stuff that was supposed to be there. That's not, or, you know, button missing or something, but it's like two or three months later after you've like launched the project, um, yeah, my biggest thing is always I've started just responding when they're when the requests are out of scope and just saying, yeah, sure, I can do that, but here's how much it's going to cost. And nine times out of ten, it's perfectly fine. I there's never like any pushback or um, anybody making a big deal about that. I've had yeah. a few throw fit, but <laughs> those were those were client red flag projects times one hundred from the beginning. So. Yeah. Also, um, I don't know, maybe this is probably controversial, but when people, when clients come back and they are asking you how to do something on the website, like how do I upload this video to this specific size that I want it at? And then they come back to you like six months later after the project is over with Mm -hmm. and expect you to answer with a tutorial or an explanation or something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know your, what your thoughts are on this, but I feel like if you are a business owner and you're, you have a website that you hired somebody to design for you, I would expect them to do the design, but I would also put the expectation on myself to learn the platform that my own website is on so that I can make any sort of design changes that I need to myself. And if I don't feel like putting the effort into learning that platform, then I would 
expect to have a designer on retainer that I can pay to do these changes for me. Yeah. And I always do, it ends up being like an hour long video tutorial um, at the end of my website projects where I walk them through how to, you know, work everything and do the basic stuff, you know, add a picture, change the text, et cetera. But I mean, in reality, it's just, it's completely impossible to be able to teach somebody how to do everything on a website. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've also had clients that will come back and be like, well, I, you know, I tried going back to the video, um, but I can't find out how to do this. And it's something that I know that we covered in the video. Um, they probably just didn't, you know, want to take the time to, yeah, through, you know, the hour long video to try to find where that specific thing was, but you have to just value your own time and you have to realize that even like Michelle said, things that you think will take five minutes, they end up taking longer and just get into the habit of, you know, charging for your time. Yeah. Or if you are uh, designing a logo for somebody and you create maybe like launch graphics for them in Canva, I do this as well. And you have people come back to you and say like, I don't know how to use Canva. Can you teach me? It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I get like really weird requests like this all the time. And usually I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll make a little video tutorial for you. And I don't charge for it, but that is something that like, you could be charging for mm-hmm. as yeah. a designer. Sometimes it's just like easier to just record yourself doing it or fix yeah. it yourself and to try to like type out all of the, the steps to do it, which nine times out of 10, they still don't quite understand. <laughs> yeah. But I think my, my point is, and I hope I'm not being too harsh here, but if you're a business owner, I feel like you should spend the necessary time to learn these platforms that you're using on a daily basis and not Google. Google is your friend. Like if you don't know how to do something, you can also Google it. And there's usually probably another tutorial or something already out there. And then you don't have to wait on, you know, a designer to like get back to you and work you into their schedule. Right. Like if I'm, I have a bookkeeper for instance, but I'm not going to message her and ask her how to like upload a receipt to QuickBooks. I mean, Jesus, (laughs) I can just, I can just Google that and figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another thing that happens sometimes when you're in a project is when people, when you send off a concept and they mention that they're going to show, you know, their friends and family, they're going to put it in this Facebook group they're in, they're going to send it to xyz and then you're getting all this feedback from sally tom and bill about <laughs> your designs good name choices of about what they think of the design and they're likely not your client's target audience and they're just kind of giving a you know one-off opinion based on a quick glance Yeah. So, I mean, if let's take an example here, if I hired Caden to build my beautiful logo last year, which I'm still obsessed with. And when I was working through the logo process with her, I could have probably asked Nolan, my husband, what he thought about the logo designs, but I didn't even think of doing that because if I asked Nolan, what I do on a day-to-day basis and like who the type of clients that I work with, he would not be able to answer that question for you. Like he 
literally has no idea what it's like being an entrepreneur and how we market ourselves and who we're trying to target. So he would probably just look at the logo and be like, oh, that's, yeah, I like that. That's cute. Or, oh, I don't really like it that much. That's not really my style. Like he would be judging the design based on just like the types of designs that he likes himself when, you know, he goes to pick out artwork for the house um, and goes to buy different products at Target for himself. I mean, they, he just has no stake in my business at all. So I would not, if he's anything like Justin, my husband, just no really like design sense. Well, I take that back. Justin has whipped out the iPad and the Apple pen and kind of helped me sketch some ideas um, before, but in the grand scheme of things, their design, you know, knowledge or eye for design isn't going to be as good as yeah. actual design. I feel like the only people that I would trust maybe with asking for their opinion on a logo design, if I was working with a designer would be actual employees that I hire, that I pay, that work on my team with me, that have an in-depth knowledge of what I'm doing day in and day out in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't crowdsource or if you're a potential client, don't crowdsource your designs on Facebook or anything. Yeah. Um, I've, oh my gosh, I've had clients that come back and they're like, oh, I showed my best friend or my um, husband or my wife, this design, and they didn't like this part of the logo. And I'm like, well, that part of the logo was included for a specific reason. <laughs> yeah. So it, it can be frustrating as yeah. on the designer side of this. Definitely. And the biggest way to try to combat this is when you send off the concepts, just make a little disclaimer. Um, you know, please keep these designs. And also the designs are working designs too. So sometimes when we send off designs, they're not, not quite all the way finished, you know, or it's just kind of a loose concept where if they choose to go in that direction, we're going to fine tune it and we're going to, you know, make some more changes to it. And people, when you like crowdsource, they don't know that. So they think they're just looking at like a finished project uh, or product. And then also it opens up the chance for um, the designs to get stolen too. So that's another reason to not do it (laughs) is the designs can get taken or. um, I also want to know if you are asking your employees to like, just keep in mind that there's going to be a ton of cooks in the kitchen if you are doing that. And it's probably going to lead to a lot of revisions. If you're asking like more than two people, what their opinion is on this. Like if you're working with a larger small business and they have maybe like 10 to 15 employees and they're asking everybody on their team, what they think of the logo design. Uh, it's probably going to lead to a lot of differing opinions for sure. Yeah. So just when you send off the concepts, just make a little note um, that says, you know, please don't share these concepts with anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's only so much you can do. The client's going to do what they want to do. The next big one is like when they ask um, you to do something and say that it shouldn't take too long. So that can also happen before the project even starts, but this usually happens with clients that you've worked with in the past that are coming back to you and asking for something else. Um, They'll be like, oh, it shouldn't take you too long or 
they try to dictate um, if you're charging like hourly, they'll try to dictate how many hours, you know, they think it will take. And if it takes way longer than that, they're going to be very upset. Mm -hmm. So you need to set those boundaries. You know, when they say that, correct them immediately and don't let them continue on with, don't continue on with requests with them thinking it's going to take two hours when you know it's going to take four. Yeah. Also, nobody really knows how different people's like pricing structures are set up because a lot of the time you're paying for somebody's knowledge and experience and not necessarily like exactly how many hours it's taking them. So, I mean, some people do things a lot quicker because they have the knowledge and experience and they've learned as a designer. So they can design a business card in 20 minutes as opposed to two years ago when it might've taken them like three hours to design a business card. So yeah. Um, All right. Well, I think that that was everything that we wanted to chat about, unless you have any additional things that popped into your head. This was a, I feel like this was a lengthy episode today. We're almost hitting an hour. Yeah. Lots of, it's easy to talk about, I think stuff like this. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely easy to talk about our own experiences and like the designer side of things, as opposed to the client side of things, because we haven't really been clients. Like I was a client of yours, but that was kind of different because we were, (laughs) because we're like friends and we could talk about it. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, just like stick to your gun, trust your gut before project starts. And then after project starts, just stick to your boundaries and just don't feel, um, don't let, you know, clients kind of like walk all over you and set boundaries immediately when something goes awry. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you have your own client red flag experience, you want to share with us, shoot us a DM, um, on Instagram at double shot of branding, and we'll be sure to share with the audience, but thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, please subscribe to us. If you're listening from Spotify or give us a review, if you're listening on Apple podcast, um, and we'll see you next time.